Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alex Highsmith's contract situation is one of the topics that will be carrying over into training camp if there's, if nothing happens soon. We'll talk about the likelihood of an extension for him in the pairing with T.J. Watt over the next several years, as well as what's the depth situation with the Steelers' offensive line, how will that play out once we start to see them these guys in training camp. That and the Pirates win last night, being 2-2 being two and two in the last four games. Can they start the turnaround now? All that and more here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it you are now listening to the north shore drive podcast a show on all things pittsburgh sports from the writers of the pittsburgh post gazette hosted by christopher carter Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where you can find all our content at post-gazette.com. You can find this show on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and you can find it on your favorite podcasting app and on YouTube, all available right there for free. Check it out. Check it out there and check out all our written content again at post-gazette.com. We have Ray Fittipato, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here with us, uh, t- talking talking football on a Wednesday. We'll have Jason Mackey talking baseball a little bit later. He was at the ballpark last night. We did a segment, so we'll be going to that. But um, Ray wanted to talk with you about this because one of the conversations or one of the, the things that we were all kind of stewing over going into this, this, this past OTA minicamp was what would happen with Alex Highsmith because this is the final year of his rookie contract. He hasn't received an extension. And the Steelers have been kind of on a streak of guys needing extensions and uh, them holding out. You had T.J. Watt uh, a few years ago. Then you had Minka Fitzpatrick after that. And then you had De- Deontay Johnson doing it last year. And it's kind of been intriguing. So it kind of made sense that, well, if Alex Highsmith is going to do that, he'd hold out from uh, OTAs and he'd show up at minicamp and then do what all those guys did and kind of just work off to the side to their own. But he didn't do that. He was at OTAs. He was at minicamp and he was participating and, and, and talking with us in the media. And, you know, it seemed like he was all for it. And uh, what's the sense that you get that a, a, a contract extension is going to happen for Alex Highsmith and the Pittsburgh Steelers? Chris, I still think there's plenty of time to, to get one done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people look back at last year and how they handled Minka. I want to say that was done mid-June, right around mm-hmm. minicamp, shortly after minicamp ended. And people said, okay, well, maybe that could happen for Alex Highsmith. Well, it didn't happen for Alex. And now that we're into summer vacation mode, um, agents are, are going to the beach 
players were taking time off, and so are NFL front offices. So I don't really expect anything to happen in the next couple of weeks. This is really when the NFL shuts down, and you know they'll return about a week or so before camp. Um, could it get done before training camp? Yeah, but I think now that uh, it didn't get done this spring, I think it's more likely that'll carry over into training camp. And I don't think it's a big deal, to be honest with you, Chris. Um, you know, Cam Hayward went through his deal a couple of years ago. They eventually got that done uh, about five days before the season started. And then with TJ Watt, you know, they got it done two days before the regular season. So all these contract negotiations are different. They all have lives of their own. And I don't think anyone should be getting close to the panic button just yet because Highsmith's deal wasn't done in June. I feel you on that. And, and when we've talked about him about it, he's kind of just been like, yeah, I feel like I'm in a good place. And it's it's a little different than we've seen with with the with the other guys that have been there. And, you know, if some people, people still want to say, well, Minka Fitzpatrick's a first-round draft pick that they traded for, and T.J. Watt was a first-round draft pick who's kind of like the pillar of the defense. I get that. But Deontay Johnson, you know, pulled this in. He was a third-round pick just like Alex Highsmith. Granted, he was an early third-round pick. But still, you know, this would be, this would that, that was a guy who – um, you know, was talented, obviously talented, but, you know, I wouldn't say was a pillar of this team when, when they signed up, but he was a veteran wide receiver that they needed to be a leading wide receiver as they didn't have, you know, another guy on the roster who was going to be there, be there long-term and kind of be able to be that kind of leading man uh, to kind of lead the receiving core for a bit. So that's kind of position he's in, but Alex Highsmith's in a different position because he's not the leading man of the edge rushers. That's TJ Watt, you know, indisputably. And I don't think, he, you know, of course, Alex Highsmith wouldn't even dispute that, but, the Steelers, I think this is part of the position that they're in when you're paying Kenny Pickett a rookie contract and guys like Najee Harris and Pat Frymuth are also on rookie contracts. You can afford to spend to build your 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 defense, your, your build your roster a lot stronger across the board. And this is one of the places where I look at Alex Highsmith and I say, like, man, you know, the, if the Steelers right now, as they as they sit as they sit here, I think they have thirteen point two million dollars in cap space for this for this season. Next year, they're still at like thirteen point six, so they still have to do some maneuvering. But Alex Highsmith, if he was to sign an extension, which I think he will sign an extension either before or during training camp. Uh, I think they can afford the space to to do that right now and invest in the defense and make this the, the keep this group together that they have a lot of confidence in so that you know over the next couple seasons uh so and that's the thing I think that Alex Highsmith's deals probably could be like a three-year extension or something like that but this way over the next few years whether still pay, able to pay the offense not as much because they're on rookie deals this will give the defense to remain a chance to remain dominant uh, and, and carry over the years if they could, if they do strike if they do strike hot this year and keep that going keep that going forward. Yeah, I mean, I you think that I guess the the, the one thing we have to look for is um, does Alex Highsmith take the same tact that Deontay Johnson did in training camp last year? Does he simply choose to hold in to show up to practices? but not do anything until a contract gets done. I, I suppose, you know, that could happen. I honestly, I wouldn't blame Alex Highsmith. No one wants to get injured early in training camp the way that Najee Harris did last year um, or some other folks have done over the years. So, you know, I get it. And I wouldn't necessarily take that as a hard line stance because TJ Watt did the same thing. We all know that relationship never really suffered with the Steelers. The only time that there are, um, difficulties between players and front offices is when there's miscommunication. Like, so back in 2018, Le'Veon Bell 
tells the Steelers he's going to show up for camp. He tells the Steelers he's going to show up for camp, and then he doesn't show up for camp. That's when some feelings are hurt, and that's mm. where there are some trust issues. But as long as Alex Highsmith is there, and as long as he's he's present, he's in meetings, I don't think it will be a big deal if he doesn't practice. I don't know that he's going to do that. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe that's a possibility um, because De- uh, Deontay Johnson did it last year, and it worked for him. You know, listen, he had a contract, what, within seven to ten days of training camp open. So we'll see what happens this year with Alex Highsmith. But uh, to your point, I, I do think with Kenny Pickett on a rookie contract and with some other guys on offense not having to be paid for another year or two, it does give them plenty of room to get a deal for Alex Highsmith done um, in the coming weeks and, and months. And on top of the talent that he's had, maybe he had 14 and a half sacks last year. I think he's going to be just as dangerous this year, maybe even more dangerous because of I, I just looking him at OTAs. I was like, man, that guy's that guy's sharpening his technique. Him with a fully healthy TJ Watt for a whole season again and the developments that he's made. I think that that could be a truly they could be the best edge rushing duo in the NFL if, if they're if they're healthy for the whole season. And on top of that. He's a really good team guy. He's a really good locker room guy. He doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't make things about himself. He's about his teams. And whenever you, you see him in practice, he's just working on his technique, furthering that. And even even in OTAs, when at this point, like like we like we were just saying, he could have either not shown up to OTAs and just done his own thing, or he could have shown up, you know, he could have shown up and just stood off to the side and just practiced on his own the whole time. But even after he was finishing team drills, he would see he would go there and he would work with uh uh we, he would work with the Steelers coaches and be like hey uh let's let, let, let's work on this let's get this how do I respond here and then do and do that rep over and over and over again and then when TJ was there he'd do it with him too and I just think that uh, if you're the Steelers it should be a no-brainer to sign Alex Highsmith and keep him long term because he's a great fit schematically he's a great fit fit talent wise and he's a great fit for the chemistry of your team that you've got moving forward I want to talk more about the chemistry of the offensive line, though, and not necessarily the starters, but the guys who are going to be filling in when the in, when the injuries start piling up, if the injuries start piling up. We'll talk about that here on the North Shore Drive podcast in just a minute. He's Ray Pettipato. I'm Chris Carter. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at GameTime.co. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. You get killer deals on last-minute tickets, and the Game Time app, which you can download right to your phone right now, gives you the best price guarantee that can't be beat. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have at your favorite event. The Game Time app, which you can download to, to your phone right now, can allows you to book tickets even up to the last minute. And even if you're booking those last-minute tickets, you're getting exclusive flash deals on tickets, events for a football football games, basketball games, baseball games, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means that you're always going to get the best price. So if you find tickets for the same event in the same section, the same row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference of, of those other tickets. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase or go to their website, gametime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, talking Steelers here. We're going to do a, a segment on the offensive line, and I want to talk baseball because the Pirates had a big win uh, last last night. Uh, but I want to talk about 
uh, this offensive line and who's going to be backing up the starters. Now, who's going to start at left tackle is still up for the, uh, up in the air. Dan Moore Jr., we've talked about this, is probably going to retain the starting spot, at least going into training camp. We'll see how that plays out with him and Broderick Jones, the guy that they, they draft in the first round. But – Let's talk about the the rest of the depth here because you you addressed this a little bit in your uh, in your chat transcript uh, with this this past week um, on the Steelers and what what it could be here and there's a question about several different positions here. Uh, let's start with the center position with Mason Cole. The Steelers have quite a few guys who I think could rotate to there if Mason Cole were to go down. Now, remember, the Steelers had all five of their starters last year, Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniels, and Chuma Korofor. None of them missed a single start. Mason Cole did deal with some foot injuries during during the year, but he was able to start every single game. That doesn't happen too often, Ray. You know that. I know that. And so – Karma says, or not karma, but just you know, the way of the world says it's a, it's going to come back around, and the Steelers need to prepare for those injuries. If if Mason Cole goes down this year, who is the backup center for the Pittsburgh Steelers? People saw Kedrick Green getting those reps in in OTAs and minicamp, and people are like, man, there's not some there's there's some not great memories of Kendrick Green playing that position earlier. Yeah, listen, they they got plenty of options, and I, I think they have a couple of good options. Um, obviously, Nate Herbig was signed to be the top interior backup. He has played mostly guard in the NFL when he's been a starter, but the way he entered this league as an undrafted free agent, uh, he had to learn how to play all positions, including center, and he could do that capably. So I think Nate Herbig, when when we get to training camp in late July, Chris, I think you'll be seeing Nate Herbig take reps at center, and he didn't Mm -hmm. do that in the spring. Now, the other option, and this is sometimes an option the offensive line coaches don't like to go to, but they have uh, a player in James Daniels who has starting NFL experience at center. It's just that he, he plays right guard. And a lot of times coaches don't want to uh, address two positions when they try to fill one, right? So let's say Mason Cole goes down in the game. It's easier just to bring Nate Herbig off the bench and keep James Daniels where he is at right guard. Now, there is another score of thought that you always want to get your five best players on the field. So maybe James Daniels goes to center if they feel like he's a better center. And then maybe Nate Herbig goes to guard. Or maybe there's another guard like Kevin Dotson who would be in that equation. So there's a lot of different ways that they can go. But just my gut feeling, just looking at how they address free agency, I think Nate Herbig would be your top backup, um, not only at center, but probably guard as well as we look into this. Now, Kevin Dotson said, uh, let's talk about him for a second here. Kevin Dotson said at one point that when the Steelers signed her big, he was told, you know, Hey, it's fine. Don't know. That's not, that's not about you. Don't worry about it. But then when they signed Isaac Salmalo, no one came and told to talk to him about it. And he was like, well, he knew what that meant. So he knew he lost and he he's going to be the guy. Dan Moore Jr. Might hold on to his starting spot to start the season. Kevin Dotson has already, already is not a starter because of CEO Malo. So right. you're saying that Herbig has also probably supplanted Dotson there. What's Dotson's role then? Is he the second, is, is he the second guard off the bench? Is he, has he gone from starter to probably won't see the field this year? What do you see being his job? Well, the unfortunate thing for Kevin Dotson is he doesn't have position flexibility, Chris. And we all know when you look at uh, 46-man game day rosters, coaches want that guard center versatility or that guard tackle versatility. And Kevin Dotson doesn't offer 
either of those. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you in late June that he's not going to dress for games because I don't know how they're going to construct their game day roster. It could be that they dress Herbig. It could be they address, uh, they dress Broderick Jones, and it could be that they dress Kevin Dotson as well. Maybe they dress eight offensive linemen. Maybe that's not an issue for Dotson. But I know as injuries happen and as um, – you know, coaches get into finding their best game day roster throughout the course of the season. It is not unusual at all for offensive linemen to be, um, uh, you know, healthy scratches. So, um, yeah, that, that's an issue for Kevin Dotson. I think ultimately he's going to have to go somewhere where he could start if he wants a consistent role on a team. It's just unfortunate for him that it hasn't worked out that way for the Steelers. And as you mentioned, with the signing of, say, Amalo, it's not going to work out for him this year either. Yeah, I mean, I think that right now, because this is also his contract year. You know, he's a he's a fourth rounder, so it's not like you know he's in a he's in a, he's, in a, he's in a little bit of a different situation than Alex Eismith. Eismith's been a consistent starter for three years. Dotson's been a starter, but obviously not one that they were willing to just sit around and just let continue continue to start as they're trying to build a better offensive line. And, and listen, I think Dotson, if if this was the Steelers of like the 2010s. And Dotson was in like the position of like Ramon Foster, where Pouncey was his center, and they had Marcus Gilbert, and they had David DeCastro. I, I think that they could have they said like you know we can live with one guy who's not necessarily dominant, but you know has his strength that we can lean on at times because that that's how you kind of balance the offensive line. But the offensive line needed to make an upgrade this year. I think that's the position that, that the Steelers were in going into the offseason. Omar Khan obviously addressed it by making one of their bigger free agent splash in Seal Malo, making their first round pick Broderick Jones. Um, and that addressing basically the entire left side of the offensive line here. Um, but you're right about one thing, too. The flexibility is so important here. Who do you think is the most flexible of the offensive linemen the Steelers have right now? Uh, and that can also include a starter because we've seen Dan Moore Jr. He's been getting ready to maybe play some swing tackle uh, if they need him to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the beauty of this offensive line. They have really, other than Kevin Dotson and you know possibly Kendrick Green, they have versatility everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they Dan Moore is, has played on the right side this spring. They're hoping that in time that he'll be comfortable enough over there that he could be a quality swing tackle. Um, and, you know, we just talked about James Daniels. That guy has guard and center capability. Um, even Mason Cole has guard center capability. So that's been kind of a, um, you know, a, a hallmark of, of the offensive line that this uh, – that this front office has built here. So, I mean, if I had to pick one guy, you know, it would probably be a guy like Herbig, a guy who can play all five positions. You know, another guy, Spencer Anderson, um, he's probably going to be on the practice squad mm. this year, but um, he'll be pushing for a spot on the 53-man roster. Um, he started games at every single position for Maryland. He played center guard and tackle at Maryland. I think he has starts at every position. If not starts, he has playing time at every single position on that offensive line. So listen, Chris, if you're not going to be a starter, you got to be able to play multiple positions. That's just the way of the world in the NFL. If you want to um, get on a 53 and ultimately if you want to dress on game days. I think that you're absolutely right here because the, you know, for a lot of different positions like cornerback or linebacker or tight end, the way that you make the roster, if you're not a starter is you're good on special teams and offensive linemen. It's a little bit different because you're not asking offensive linemen to go down and cover punts and, uh, and cover kicks and, uh, and, and things like that. Uh, but 
for offensive linemen, yeah, if you can if you can fill a job, and Mike Tomlin always says, I love guys who can play multiples. That's how that's how he talks about it. And you're right, yeah. If if you can if you can play, I mean, Raven Clark, another guy who could you know flip between the tackle positions. They need guys who can who can handle that because you never know what they're going to be. And we've seen guys in the past. Chris Hubbard, you know, was a guy who could who was swing tackle, became a starter, and then he got paid big money by the Cleveland Browns uh, elsewhere. You know, Kelvin Beecham was a guy who could play a little bit uh, with the, with flexibility. That's something that the Steelers used to have. I think that they've now have it again. I think that's going to be a big asset to them this year because I, I do anticipate. I'm not wishing any ill on any players, but I'm I'm anticipating like you know just you don't get healthy an entire healthy offensive line for an entire season too often. And just like the, the way that luck works in the world, that's going to come back around and they need to be prepared. I think that of the, of the year of the past, maybe eight years, this might be the most prepared of an offensive line to deal with injuries that we've seen with the Steelers. Uh, and I think credit goes to Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, and that front office for building it that way. Uh, Ray, thanks so much for joining us here to talk Steelers. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. Jason Mackey on the 9-4 wins the Pirates had over the Padres. Those City Connect jerseys, maybe they got something in them. We'll talk about what's going on there and what woke up the Pirates' bats and if it'll be sustainable. Just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We're back here in the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We now switch to Jason Mackey, who is still in PNC Park, and we're recording this at 9 in the morning. No, we're kidding. We're just right after the game. <laughs> <laughs> they made you sleep here tonight, Chris. No. They made you sleep overnight. But, no, he might as well sleep overnight in the, in the Pirates clubhouse because he's Jason Mackey, the best guy on the Pirates in, in, all, in all of Pittsburgh. But, uh, Jason, got to talk about this game. They win 9-4 to against the Padres. Uh, we saw life in the offense, which is something we just haven't seen. And at one point, in the early part of this game, I was like, uh-oh, this could be a problem. And then all of a sudden, the bats came alive. Was it the City Connect jerseys, or did they actually kind of glean something today? I don't know, man. It's ball. It can be whatever you want it to be. If, if, <laughs> if you believe you're hitting because of the City Connect jerseys. I actually asked Derek Shelton, like, can you wear those things tomorrow? He goes, yeah, we can wear them whatever we want. So they might have City Connect jerseys on tomorrow. Um, this is the best offensive performance we've seen out of this team in a long time. I'm right with you, Chris. I was watching this game and thinking they go down three, nothing yep. like, Oh, here we go again, man. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to have an answer. They haven't had an answer. And wait a second, all of a sudden they did in the area of the team that was driving the bus in this one, the bottom of the lineup, the bottom of the lineup came in yep. this thing literally like Oh, for 90. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was terrible. Sawinski, Castro, Bay, Gonzalez, Hedges, and those guys all pretty much did something special. Nick Gonzalez hit a home run that I just looked up. It's still traveling. <laughs> 442 feet. Somewhere um, over Lawrenceville. the only one who really didn't do much. You know, Sawinski and uh, Santana going back to back. That was pretty big. Castro had a couple of hits. Hedges had a couple of hits, was on base four times. Just a really good game all around. It really seemed that, and you, you got like you said, you got hits from everybody. Kutch got three hits, uh, Henry yeah. Davis and Santana. I mean, that was your two, three, four was really big in this game, and I thought that was huge. Did you see something like something clicking for these guys, or were they taking advantage of just a rough day for the Padres? Yeah, it was a little bit of a rough, rough day for the Padres, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was supposed to be you, Darvish, on the mound. I can't even say the dude's name who started in place of him, it doesn't matter. He got <laughs> hit around, um, but. And, and you know what? Like, to their credit, that's what you do. Yeah. If the other team is a mishap, you need to take advantage of it, and the Pirates absolutely did. I did see this, Chris, and I wrote about this post-gazette 
on Monday, the Pirates being way too passive. I mean, they're not intentionally looking at, at strikes, but I mean, they're preaching this on-base heavy thing. We saw them kind of eschew that a little bit. They were okay. much more aggressive going after pitches, um, looking to drive the ball in the gap, not looking to walk. I don't know how many walks they had tonight. Couldn't have been many. They were looking to go up there and just hack, and I like that. Whether that was intentional or whether that was poor pitching, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But that's, this was a much more aggressive mindset at the plate than we've seen. How have you seen Henry Davis? I know it's only been like 29 at-bats, and he's still getting his feet. But another good night for him. He's batting 276 on the season. Are you seeing some of the, the promise that, that, the, that the Pirates were expecting there? Yeah, I am. I, I like what I've seen from him, Chris. He takes a very mature bat. Now, he fits a lot of what they're doing with he's comfortable taking pitches, sees the strike zone well. Dude's got a lot of power, and I'm not sure he's gotten to all of that quite yet. We've seen him use the opposite field more than I've, I think I've been accustomed to seeing him do. Um, he's got to hit a couple times, which is always funny, but the ball jumps off his bat on his home run in Miami. I thought that was really emblematic of the type mm. of swing Henry Davis can take. He hasn't really uncorked many of those, though. I'm kind of waiting for it. I thought, not to change the subject, but Nick Gonzalez's swing, you know, hitting one that was 442 tonight, like that's a Henry Davis type hack. And okay. I think Henry can take those swings much more regular than he than he has to this point. I, I hear you. I hear you on that part there. I, I want to get a sense from you about the clubhouse right now because they've been through a lot of tough times. But now they've they've won two of their last four. There might be a sense. Is there a sense from them like, hey guys, this like let's, let's strike while this iron is hot? What was the sense of them after this game? It wasn't much different than their other wins, Chris. Okay. Um, and I will say this about the Pirates and just baseball in general, and I think it was Earl Weaver that came up with this, but, you know, you're only as good as your next day's starting pitcher, right? Like, the, the mo- <laughs> momentum's great. You feel good about it right now. And I still have questions about them tomorrow. I have questions mm. about them throughout the balance of this series. Like, they got one over on the Padres, but they still have Joe Musgrove and Blake Snell waiting. Snell's going to go um, Monday or uh, Wednesday night, rather. Not an easy assignment. There. No. It's not an easy schedule. Um, I, I wouldn't pretend to think that the Pirates are going to have it come this easy to them. Now, that being said, can they still score runs? Can they get quality pitching? Can they, you know, go first to third and do some of the things we saw them do tonight? Yes, I do think they're capable, but they haven't been able to string those games together. So we'll see. But this was certainly, at least on the field, forget the clubhouse, one of the best performances we've seen out of them in a long time. Well, you you, meant, you mentioned uh, Joe Musgrove there. A few Pirates know what he's like. But you, spent, you were talking about you're only as good as your next pitcher. And if there's a next pitcher to have right now for the Pirates, Mitch Keller's yep. coming up against Snell. What do you see from, Ke- from Keller coming right now, how, he, how he's, go- he's going to be able to handle this? Is he going to be able to help them over the hump? Or like you were kind of indicating there, is this about to get some payback for San Diego? I, I actually think the Pirates are going to win tomorrow, Chris, or mm. Wednesday, we'll say it that way. Um, Keller's been pitching well. I, I like what I've seen out of Mitch. Um, since he won, he sort of went back to the drawing board. He had three starts where they weren't as good, and he, he said, I kind of got away from using my cutter as much, and he's been using his cutter more. That really helps him be effective. I'm not worried in the least about Mitch. I'm a little worried about the Padres, to be perfectly honest with you. Watching Fernando Tatis Jr.'s at-bats tonight, not good. Now, granted, I'm not going to judge a player based on four at-bats, but for all they did this offseason, for all the money they've spent, boy, you'd think they would be a better team. They'd be a more productive lineup, and they're just not. Um, I, but 
Give me Mitch Keller against what I've seen out of the Padres tonight so far in the series. I like the chances. I hear you on that. I, I I like the chances too right now. If they can, if they can pick it back up, the Pirates have been disappointing for a stretch here. But I think there's all all sorts of excite, excitement going on uh, when they get when you get a win. Can they strike while this? And you talk. We talked about this all leading up to this season. This is a big reason that they brought in the vets that they did. McCutcheon. Be, uh, next, uh, you know, Santana, the guys that know what it, what it's like, what it's like to be in a winning organization. They, these are the guys that need to channel some things here. Uh, I want, I want to also address something, Jason, and this is something very light. This isn't, this isn't something that I, I thought was too serious, but I figured we'd address this on the show. There was, of course, the the idea floated out there about trade. Would would Kutch wanted to be traded, and he exactly he tweeted right out. He was like, <laughs> "I'm not having any of this stuff." Can you break down where this came from? How Kutch responded so our listeners and viewers can understand. So, yes, I, I would be happy to. And I'm not actually upset by it. It amuses me, but I think it's pretty stupid. Um, so this originated from John Morosi. And he works for MLB Network. And normally about a month before the trade deadline, he comes out with something that, you know, moves the needle in some way and gets people talking. It may or may not be accurate. In this case, it was not accurate. And we found that out because also the Rangers GM, I guess, said to somebody, um, I had never called the Pirates about an outfielder, specifically Andrew McCutcheon, so I don't know where that came from. He didn't mention <laughs> Kutch's name, but that's essentially what he said. Um, we talked to Kutch about this after the game. Kutch said, what, y'all didn't see the uh, hug watch in the dugout? He's laughing about it. Like, there's, there's no truth to it. It's complete garbage. And I was, I was kind of you know, triggered or going on a rant on Twitter just based on what the conversations I've, I've, I've literally had one-on-one, person-to-person with McCutcheon, about how much it means to him to be here. He's echoed similar sentiments to people. Um, I know some of the inner workings about how the McCutcheon deal came about, um, what was brought to Bob Nutting's attention, what people said to Nutting in the days after that he signed Andrew McCutcheon. And it's basically, yo, dude, you can't trade Kutch. Not that Mm -hmm. he wanted to. It's just like you can't do this with the understanding that he's going to get traded. So, okay, the owner doesn't want to trade Kutch, can't trade Kutch, Kutch doesn't want to get traded. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about here? I mean, I'm all for generating content that's going to get people talking and, and engaged and, and caring about baseball and all that stuff. This ain't it. This is junk. It's absolute junk. So that's where it came from. That's my reaction to it. I don't know why it got put out there. I'm glad the fire got put out. Um, Andrew McCutcheon is not going anywhere unless he magically wakes up one day and says, I'd really like to chase a World Series ring, and I really doubt that's going to happen. I hear you there. That's why we asked you, Jason Mackey, because you know what's going on there in the Pirates Clubhouse better than anybody else. He's Jason Mackey here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thank you, Jason, for all your insights. He'll be back at the ball club, uh, or the ballpark, excuse me, as the, as the Pirates take on the Padres. 7.05 first pitch time Wednesday evening, and then again 12.35 and the afternoon on Thursday as they finish that series. And then three more games against the Brewers at home. Can the Pirates get some revenge from the damage that they took from the Brewers just, just about a, a week ago? We'll get to all that here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks again to Jason. Thanks again to Ray Fittipaldo for all the insights on the Steelers. Back Friday with more on the North Shore Drive podcast here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll see you then right here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. 